All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we aren't going to do our spiel like we normally do because this is a part two of the sex and intimacy episode. So if you haven't had a chance to um, listen or watch the first, the, the part one, uh, make sure you go and watch that right now. So then you can get the the, the sense because what we did in that episode is we defined intimacy, um, sex positivity, um, what sexual intimacy is. And then today's episode, we're going to be unpacking what um, intimacy avoidance and uh, and the fear of intimacy and how that plays into us not being able to establish intimacy and sexual intimacy and have great sex. So this is what we are going to be sharing with you guys today. So, all right, let's hop right in. So um, I want to start off by sharing a bit of a story. So uh, this this is actually this topic, intimacy avoidance, is the reason why I very first started the Gay Men's Brotherhood because I was having a very strong desire for intimacy and all I was coming up against in the gay community was hookup culture um, and it was very frustrating for me so I created a video on my YouTube channel called um, oh dear gay men sex addiction and the lack of true connection in the gay community. That was yeah, the name of yeah. it. So that started this whole thing, this whole momentum of this movement started from, from me basically spending 15 minutes bitching about the gay community. And there was some, there was a lot of unconsciousness in that video for myself because I also had a lot of fear of intimacy that I've met in these last four years since that video was released. So I have a lot more compassion around um, fear of intimacy and how it shows up. So I want to lead with that compassion today and really help people understand um, that this is a very normal fear and most human beings have it. And uh, I, I think gay men have it a little bit more, or at least people within minority um minority groups because there is the trauma of being a minority and having being different and then we can really easily attribute shame to that and then we want to hide who we are so and intimacy requires us to be able to show up as who we are so there is definitely some injuries that a lot of gay men have around attaching to each other um it's interpersonal or attachment trauma that we're basically talking about here so um We'll start off by just defining what int intimacy avoidance is. I'm going to keep it very general. It is essentially a fear of intimacy and it is a fear of being seen uh, or experienced, a fear of being seen or experienced um, in the truth of who we are. So it's basically the opposite of what intimacy is. Um, just add fear before how what we defined uh, intimacy as. Um, I think it's important to, to explore where this comes from. So I would say from my own training, my own background, um, I see this as a couple things here. I've, I've, I've written down four things as far as where it comes from. The first one being attachment trauma. So I think I've talked about this on, on many episodes and I'm, I'm attachment trauma informed. So this tends to be the model to which I view the world and I view interpersonal relationships through as far as coming together and connecting and sharing intimacy. When we have an attachment injury around, uh, we feel disconnected from because of our authentic self. Um, this can lead to a core trauma of feeling like we don't belong. Um, it can lead to severe levels of loneliness because we're, we're hiding who we are. Um, so we learn out of this attachment trauma that it's not safe to be who we are and show up in connection as who we are. So we become avoidant of any situations where we're required to show up in the truth of who we are, right? And uh, part of attachment trauma that can also, they can lead into one or the other is uh, toxic shame. And 
you know, when we have these, these attachment traumas around like, uh, being disconnected from and who we are, this could be neglect, it could be abandonment, it could be rejection, um, criticisms, these sorts of things, a judgment for who we are, this can lead to shame. And we start to apply um, shame to who we are as a person. And we feel like it's not safe to share who we are with the world. So we stay hiding. And this is what I was coming up against in the, in the community. I was, I, I was starting to do this, this work on this healing on myself. And I started to feel safer in showing up in the truth of who I am. But I started to notice that a lot of gay men had these injuries that they weren't able to do this. And it was making me feel frustrated, lonely, isolated, um, like almost that feeling when you're craving something and it can't be satiated. And it's a very frustrating feeling. And um, so that is probably, I would say the the biggest things that the toxic shame and the attachment trauma. Um, and I think those two things lead to the feel, uh, the feeling like we need to hide ourselves. And that's like shame, right? Shame, if, if it, if it could speak, it would say, um, I am wrong, right? Who I am is wrong. And uh, if trauma could speak, it's that the world isn't safe. So we need to make sure that we, we feel safe to show ourselves. When we feel safe to show ourselves, that's when we can start to enter intimacy. And uh, so there's an element of, of fear and anxiety that's present when we feel like we can't move towards intimacy. We're completely terrified of uh, showing up because we're completely terrified of being rejected yet again, right, for being who we are. And I think this is a common experience that we share as gay men. And, and it's a it's a really challenging yet beautiful thread that kind of connects us all, right? It's challenging in the sense that, yes, we all have this trauma, but we are the ones that can walk each other home to heal from this because we've all been through it, right? And what heals shame? It's coming into connection and sharing our stories in safe places, which is what we're creating here at the Gay Men's Brotherhood. So um so that's that's kind of the first part is exploring where it comes from. Um, and then there's a couple other elements that are really kind of intertwined with intimacy avoidance. And I think one of them is being unclear about what you want. So we really need to be doing the work to getting clear about what we what we want, what our authentic desires are, both in in sex, intimacy and sexual intimacy, because if we're not sure, what's going to happen when we're, when we're not sure what we want? Well, we're going to probably get into states of fear or confusion and we're going to be like, I don't know what I want. So I'm just going to avoid intimacy altogether. And I think one of the most important aspects of, of this is, is being strongly connected to our emotional selves because our emotions are com constantly communicating to us the data of what we want and what we need. So we need, we need to be feeling in order to be able to be moving into, into intimacy as well. So for people that are, are not feeling, that's going to probably be a strong sign that they're avoidant of intimacy because intimacy, intimacy requires us to move into connection emotionally. Um, and that will, will be a part of it. Um, and I think the next one is feeling scared to express what you want. This is also a sign of, of intimacy avoidance. Um, so again, Michael's definition of intimacy was a vulnerability plus authenticity, right? So, we need to be practicing vulnerability and authenticity so we can overcome our fear to express what we want. Right. And the only way through it is through it. Unfortunately, there's no secret recipe here that I have to offer you guys today. Um, you know, feeling scared to express what we want. The only way to get over that fear is to practice expressing what we want and, uh, and learning how to feel okay with that. So 
And then I want to just bring voice to uh, ways that we might avoid intimacy, because I feel like a lot of the things I just shared, they're kind of psychological in nature. And I want to bring it into the practical arena so people can really relate and see, maybe see themselves in how this, this shows up. Um, so common things that I would see in our community would be paying for sex and or intimacy. So that could be hiring somebody to have sex with or hiring somebody to cuddle with because intimacy, um, that is a form of intimacy, but I would say that's a surrogate form of intimacy, right? It can be therapeutic in nature, which can be really beautiful. However, it's not requiring of us to fully show up and be ourselves with this person because there's an element of an it's an exchange right this this person knows exactly what they're doing coming into this connection so we right so there's not this there's not a full authentic element to that in my opinion um just having sex and avoiding sexual intimacy um and intimacy in general um being inauthentic so things like perfectionism, because when we are imperfect and we share our imperfect selves with the world, that is intimacy. That's that is vulnerable um, to to do that. Um, not showing up um, and or ghosting. I think mm -hmm. this is a big one. As soon as things start to get really intense or intimate, um, you know, peace out. I'm out of here. Like I'm just gonna avoid it altogether. Um, not expressing ourselves and people pleasing um and not saying what you mean i think these are these are really big ones um deflecting so that might be deflecting with humor deflecting with anger not having to go into the heart of the matter and just deflecting away from that and then the last one i came up with here is closed off body language so not making eye contact or crossed arms things like that um can be definitely a sign that your body is not ready uh, or it your body's quite avoidant of intimacy it doesn't want to share those more intimate moments so yeah, that's my little monologue. I'm curious if there's anything that you wanted to share on from that. Yeah, very good. Uh, there's so much really good stuff there. Thank you, Matt, for, for putting that together and sharing that with us. Um, I want to talk a little bit about trust because that yes. that is a big piece too, right? So trust creates that sense of safety that you had talked about, right? So you want to, but that the thing with trust is it takes time. I don't know anyone yes. who could just like, oh, I, I met you, I, I trust you. So yeah. where there's no trust yet, knowing that that takes time, we need to have courage and faith. You need to like be willing to trust somebody enough to have, be vulnerable or feel safe enough to be vulnerable. Um, and that's a challenge because we have so many good reasons not to trust other people because totally. um, we've been hurt in the past or, you know, yeah. just people can be pretty shitty sometimes. But I would say that trusting yourself makes that a lot easier. makes it easier to trust others because at the end of the day, what I've learned is that even if I take a chance and trust somebody and it doesn't work out for me, I will have my own back. It's not, it's not ideal, right? Cause the whole point was for me to trust them and them to have my back. And if they yeah. fail at that, then I've, you know, it will definitely make me rethink that going forward. But I think mm -hmm. trust is a really big piece of this. And I know we've done some episodes on trust. I don't know exactly what they are, mm -hmm. but I think that's, it's worth saying that, you know, this conversation about intimacy and, and vulnerability and authenticity even has, has to do with trust too. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm leveling up right now in my life and I'm practicing showing up in more vulnerable ways, sharing my singing with the world, really putting mm -hmm. myself out there in these new ways. And I am realizing how much trust issues I have. 
that I never really realized before. Like I, I always knew that I struggled with trusting people, but I'm now realizing, holy shit, like I really struggle with this and I really have a hard time opening myself up and letting people in. And it's more so letting people in to help me, letting people in to meet my needs because I think my core wounding from when I was younger was I didn't get that. I didn't get my needs met, uh, especially my emotional needs met. And so I have this core belief that people can't show up for me. They don't know how to hold me in the way that I need to be held. So my instinct is, and it's a totally a trauma response, is to become hyper-independent. No, I'm not going to need anybody, right? Okay. So, it, and the origin of that is trust. It's a yeah. total trust issue that I that I struggle with. So I'm learning how to let people in. And you're right, you're bang on that the only way we can learn to let people in and trust people is when we have a foundation of trust and safety within ourselves. So this is the work that I do in my coaching is I help people heal their attachment trauma so they can have a stronger sense of internal trust and safety within so they can therefore start moving into connections. And I think a lot of people bypass that. They yeah. just they just focus on the relational dynamic, but the relational dynamic starts with the relational dynamic you have with yourself, mm -hmm. right? So you, you're hitting the nail on the head in such a big way. I noticed you put your hand up around um, <laughs> what, what, were, what was going on for you. Oh, because you said uh, uh, your your go to is to is to be kind of hyper independent and go within. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that is a hundred percent me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. one of the questions we wanted to talk about here today is in what ways do you avoid intimacy? Yeah. Um, that's what I had. That's what I had. Is like I completely almost the opposite. I go within because I almost trust myself. Not trust myself. I find safety within. I always have. Ditto. It's it's yeah, yeah. and and. When the world gets too much for me, when my relationship gets too much for me, when my friends get too much for me, when anything gets too much for me, I peace out, zone out, shut down, go within, run away. You know, my safety zone is me, is my mind and everything. And I mean, it's quite lovely in there. And that's a good thing in some ways. Yeah. But yeah. there is, um, I guess, uh, you can overdo it. I think you know what I mean. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing right now that I'm quite um, like... Yeah, like I, I just uh, did my very first open mic and I actually, I only invited one person to to come and I, this is where this is, I'm re having these realizations, like just how terrified I am to let people in and let people help me. <clears throat> and it's, uh, so there's a lot of healing happening right now around this and, and it feels good to be supported. And I wrote a quote recently on my Instagram, it was, allow yourself to to be vulnerable for only then can you feel truly held and that's that that was literally channeled through this experience that i had like i was feeling completely terrified of going and doing this because i didn't have people i didn't have my cheerleaders around me people supporting me holding me up right and we need that as human beings and i've learned throughout my life that that's not safe to have that but that's an old old wound, old trauma. I'm living out something that's not serving me anymore. So I'm like learning how to let people in. So I've been like restructuring my life in a, in a way that like, I'm like reaching out to people now and saying, I need support and I'm practicing mm. asking for help emotionally. And it's amazing how many people are just literally waiting to support me and love me. But my heart has been so closed as a way to protect myself that I wasn't able to receive this. Right. And I think this is why I haven't attracted my person, like my, this, the love of my life, because my heart has been so closed mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I, I need to learn how to receive if I want love and I need to feel safe to receive. 
right? And I need to feel safe in trusting that when I do receive, it will be there. It'll keep being there. It's not going to leave yeah. me. And if it does leave me, because that's possible, right? Um, that I'll have my own back, right? Yeah. So this is like really big shit that I'm that I'm uh, moving through right now. And it's it's uh, it's good. It's all good though. Yeah. Yeah. So today I think we wanted to, to talk... I think our overall goal with with this one was to help people increase their capacity for intimacy. Totally. Um, talk about a little bit about what that means. Yeah. Um, it requires healing. That's the first thing that comes through. It requires healing because we need to first clear out what is getting in the way from us having a capacity to connect, right? If you look at intimacy, it's connection. So you look at attachment trauma, what creates attachment trauma? Disconnection. So we then therefore build all these little mechanisms around us that tell us it's okay to disconnect, whether, you know, that's denial, blaming, anger, and we get really good at telling the story of I don't need connection, right? The lone wolf syndrome. We've done a whole episode on that. And we need to untell these stories and we untell these stories in a therapeutic setting with a great practitioner or a friend or a loved one or whoever, whoever you can feel safe with to open your heart to um, and share your stories of disconnection with, that's going to make it safer for you to start to move towards connection. So healing is the first step. We need to heal the disconnection wounds so we can start to move towards connection. Yeah. Love that. Um, I want to bring it back to the, in the last episode, and you mentioned it here, the intimacy equation. Yeah. So if, if authenticity <clears throat> plus vulnerability equals intimacy, then mm -hmm. let's look at both of those, right? So if you want well, if we look at an avoidance, right? So avoidance of vulnerability is avoiding intimacy, yeah. right? How we don't want to be vulnerable. And there's many reasons why. And then also a lack of knowing who you are, right? That authenticity, like a lack of self-awareness or totally. knowing who you are, knowing what you want, um, knowing what you need, all of these things. If you don't know that, how can you possibly share that with other people? Exactly. So I think for me, what that looked like is performing as the gay man, I thought I had to be. Yeah. This is what all the other guys are doing. Okay, cool. That's what I'm going to do too. Totally. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's kind of like acting. Um, and so I think for me, once, once I could more ask myself, Michael, what do I really want? What, what do I really need? What, what really, you know, in, in a sexual sense, even what really turns me on, that's when all the doors open. It's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, first I need to know it for myself and only then, and then can I communicate it to other people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I see that a lot in our culture, actually. And I, I, I define it as conformity, mm -hmm. right? And there, <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, like group or community in the world where trends pick up the fastest and move, right? Because like, I think a lot of us have wounding around being different. So we conform as a way yeah. to kind of mitigate having to feel that, right? And it's like, okay, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this. And we live up to the stereotypes of what it means to be a gay man. And and, you know, as an empath, I can feel discrepancy. So I can feel inauthenticity and I can feel authenticity. And when I, I see a person that is living their inauthentic life because they're trying to fit in, it's like, it just like hits me like in the heart. And I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? And I, that's why I describe myself as a nonconformist now, because I spent so many years conforming and I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, the, the way that I liberated myself from conforming was connecting to my body. 
my mind was telling me to be like all the other gays so I could fit in and blah, 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 all the stories of fear. But my body was like screaming, like, oh, be this, be this, be this. And, you know, I describe authenticity as an energy. It's just mm -hmm. an energy, right? And the the inauthentic parts of us, of, of who we are, are the stories we tell ourselves of who we are. I don't think that's authenticity at all. I think authenticity is like, this beautiful expression of energy that just comes forth and it can be this in one moment and the complete opposite in the next, right? It's, um, it's not consistent in any way, shape or form. Um, and that's the part that I think I want to try and help people connect to uh, because that's what you can bring into your intimacy. You can bring the energy of who you are mm -hmm. as opposed to all the stories of who you are, which the stories are beautiful too. That's the mind side of who we are, but the embodied aspect. So an integrated person is going to bring both. Like, let's share the stories of who we are, but then let's just hold each other in the energy of who we are too. That is a beautiful way to share intimacy, right? Because you're tasting both, both things. That is a beautiful way to say it. <clears throat> um, the, the way I define like the perfect relationship, the way I describe it, one of the first things I say is someone who will love me for being me. Yes. Like, oh. Actually me, like including yeah. all the shitty things. It's easy to love me for all the good things. Great. But yeah. And then that doesn't mean that I'm giving myself like carte blanche to be an asshole. That's not what this is about. But like yeah. all of the insecurities, all the fears, all the areas that I'm not perfect, all of the areas that I am flawed and they're there, they're definitely there. But the ideal relationship for me romantically, even platonically is people who are like, you know what? I see you, Michael. I see you in your mm. flawed flawedness. Is that a word? Yeah. And I love you anyway, or at least I accept you. And that doesn't mean they don't set boundaries and they, they don't put me in my place sometimes, but that, that to me is the most beautiful kind of intimacy is like just letting me be me without trying mm. to change me. Um, but also having my best interests at heart. Yeah. I love that so much. And that's what I yearn for too. And I think a traumatized person can't offer that to somebody because we need people to show up in a way that dances around our nervous system. So we don't get mm. activated. Right. So we need people to show up in certain ways. So we project that onto people be inauthentic. So my nervous system can be okay. Right. The more healing we do, the more comfortable we get in ourselves, the more we can offer that to each other. And we all deserve that. That is such a beautiful gift that we can give one another is space to be who we authentically are without yeah. somebody trying to change us. And then that's when we can enter intimacy when we feel safe and our nervous system feels safe that we can start to move towards being our authentic self with somebody else. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I learned that in my relationship with star early on because, because that's what I wanted. And I told him that I was very clear about that. Uh, somewhere along the way, I, I kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. If I want him to love me for who I am, I need to love him for who he is. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the paradox. Oh, right. Like, oh man. So you gotta you gotta give that too. And that's I guess that's been that's been harder at times. I guess for me, I'm speaking personally. Uh the question was in what ways do you avoid intimacy? I think that could be part of my answer is when things get tough, it's easier for me to, you know, shut down emotionally mm -hmm. than to like go into it and lean into it. And and I know that all of these conflicts uh, could lead to further intimacy and closeness and deeper connection. But my yeah. initial reaction, my automatic response is to find safety within shutdown. Um, so I want to, I want to make note of that if you want to be loved for who you are, you also need to accept and love the other person for who they are flaws and all. And that's hard to do. It's so hard. It's so hard, but I will say it gets easier when you heal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Especially attachment wounding, like, cause attachment trauma can really lead to codependency. And like that, I think that is the birthplace of codependency. It's, it's unresolved attachment trauma. And when we're codependent, you know, our self-worth comes from within our relationships, not from within us. So when that happens, we're constantly seeking safety in the other, not inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how on earth can we, that's, there's too much unreliable variables happening in somebody else's dynamic for you to find safety in that, yeah. right? So safety has to be found in self first, and then we can start to give people the space. So, yeah, that's why I think healing is just, it's the, it's the most important thing we can do. It's the most important gift we can offer ourselves is space to heal and, and investing in ourselves um, to heal. So um, I, I wrote down two things in which ways I avoid intimacy. This isn't actually a, a pretty, this isn't a big one for me, but there are a couple things that I do. And I'll say this, it's mood dependent. I don't just have a capacity for intimacy and it's always like that. It's like confidence. Some days I'm confident, some days I'm not. And I think with intimacy, there's some days where I want it and some days where I don't. And it's usually when I'm not feeling confident or secure in myself that I don't want it. And when I'm feeling good about who I am, I want intimacy. So that's very normal and natural. And I think it ebbs and flows. So I notice on the days when I don't want intimacy and I'm avoidant of it, um, I only want to share the parts of me that I think the person will like. So I have a hard time sharing my fears um, and insecurities um, with people. And it's almost like this energy of, I feel like I'm going to burden them or, or something, or, um, or they're going to not be attracted to me or something like that. I don't know. It's rejection. To that. Yeah, probably. Oh, it's all, it always comes back to that. Does it not? <laughs> like, yes. I swear it always comes back to rejection for me. Like I'm like terrified deep down of being rejected um, and I think most human beings are, and we have so many little defense mechanisms that we use to try and say, oh, I'm not, I don't care what people think about me or I don't care. You know, and it's like, no, we all care. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's just get real about that. Cause it's a, it's a big part of, of who we are as humans. We're social creatures and we don't want to be rejected from the the tribe, right? That's, it comes back to that. Um, and then this is a big one for me. Um, the second one that I put, I ask a lot of questions and deflect the attention onto the other person. <laughs> oh. And th this is really, really big because this is the work I do, right? So I'm really great at holding space for vulnerability. But as soon as somebody start ask, starts asking me a ton of questions and takes an interest in me, I'm like, wait a minute here, what's going on inside me? I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable, right? So um, I do notice that I'll tend to take control of the conversation and ask a lot of questions and take charge. And I think, you know, it's funny, I, I bet you a lot of people that are either therapists or coaches or counselors or whatever are kind of chuckling right now because we get really good at holding space for vulnerability to the point that it becomes a power differential, I guess, when it's time for us to be yep. the client or to be the one being asked the questions. So, um, yeah, so I try my best not to do that. And I just, I like, I like, uh, actually, and this is a really great way to build intimacy is just shot for shot. I call it like, I ask a question, you ask a question and we just, we do, we just shoot each other with these really cool questions and then we get to learn about each other. And, um, yeah, so I do like that as a game, as a way to build intimacy. It's like a fun version of 20 questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I have one more that I want to add. Or were okay. you done with with yours? Yeah, yeah. I'm complete, yeah. yeah. So for me, I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner is um, numbing. So you talked about how emotion, like feeling your feelings is a huge part of this. So yeah. the opposite of allowing and feeling is numbing, not yes. feeling them. Yes. So for a lot of people, it could be over overdoing it on anything. And I use the word over, not necessarily, not necessarily the thing, but overdoing it. And it could be yeah. alcohol, porn, 
social media, working, even overworking sounds nice, but no, uh, overeating, over gaming for me, my over was casual sexing, (laughs) over grindering, over casual sexing. That was how I numbed my loneliness. Yeah. And so that was the way I was avoiding intimacy. I didn't know I was doing it at the time. Of course, it was just made sense in my mind that again, the self-awareness wasn't there at the time, but for me, um, going back to this thing that was easy, um, comfortable, convenient for me, casual sex, um, as as a way not to feel, not to feel loneliness. So for me, that was the case, but it might be for a way for you not to feel vulnerable or not to have to face the reality of whatever you're, whatever's going on in your emotional world at the time. Totally. Yeah. That's such a great point. And I can't believe I missed that. My background is in um, addiction counseling. Yeah, <laughs> and perfect. like one of one of one of the ways that I, uh, when I was probably in my teens and twenties, actually, honest to God, probably until I was twenty six, I never had sex unless I was drunk. Wow, isn't that crazy? So I would always be drunk, and uh, so that's a, a major way, actually. Now that I think about it, and when I stopped uh, doing drugs and alcohol when I was what was I 24, something like that, 25, something. Um, And I went for a long period, like seven years without using anything. Um, I was, I felt so vulnerable. And so Mm -hmm. I was terrified of intimacy, because I had only learned how to have intimacy when I was numbed out with drugs or alcohol. So yeah, that's such a good one. Yeah, Yeah, I think that resonates with a lot of people out there. Whatever you're over is might not necessarily be sex. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So before we go into the next question, I want to just touch on quickly about sexual avoidance, because I think um, we talked about intimacy avoidance and there's a lot of people that are really versed and well, uh, you know, good in the the area of sex. And then they struggle with intimacy. And then there's people that are really good in the area of intimacy, but they struggle with sex. And I want to just kind of bring voice. Uh, We'll probably end up doing a whole episode on this. So we're not going to go into it to it too much. Um, but I think some of the th- the areas that we can see sexual avoidance showing up would be uh, probably, again, trauma would be an underpinning thing. And it would be a, like could likely be around some form of sexual trauma. So that could be um, a rape or a molestation or an assault, or it could be some form of um, sexual experience that you had that was that left you traumatized. So it could be somebody laughing at you during sex or making fun of your penis or um not being able to get erect or there's lots of different things that can be very traumatic to us as humans in the sexual area. Um, And this can lead to a fear of sex or sexual anxiety. And I think this is a very common thing in our, in our culture, which is why we're going to probably do an episode on it. Um, And, uh, and, and, and unpack that, but I just wanted to bring voice to that. So I think, you know, some of these areas that we, we see in uh, it could be penis shame or penis disappointment, um, that could be caused by penis size, penis shape, uh, being circumcised or uncircumcised, your stories that you have around that, um, uh, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, these sorts of things can really lead to a lot of anxiety for people. And I've experienced them uh, both in myself and I've also experienced them with other people where they have, they have sexual anxieties. And I really want to normalize this because 
um, as gay men, we have injuries around sex and sexuality, but this is one of our big core wounds. So um, I know there's a lot of people out there that struggle with uh, anxieties around sex and fears around sex and, um, and it's okay. It's 100% okay. And, uh, but I would recommend uh, reaching out to somebody that can support you in this and talk about it because there's likely a lot of shame around sexual uh, trauma or sexual fear or anxiety, and it doesn't need to be there, right? The shame is, is not useful. It's not helpful. Um, so starting to talk about it and sharing about it is, uh, is really important. So is there anything mm -hmm. you want to add to yeah, that? Or? No, that's, that's all really good. And, you know, I guess all I would add is um, it's, it's amazing how common and normal, like, I like the idea of normalizing it because it is very, very common. Yeah. Uh, I work mainly with gay men and I can tell you most of them that I work with on the topic of sex specifically underneath it is some kind of sexual insecurity or sexual anxiety and there's yeah. the intense shame that comes with it because they think that they're the only ones who have it and that like that you just let that disappear because you know you and i can can say that there's a lot of people out there and it's definitely more common than we think so th there's the shame about it then the, there's a shame about being the only one who has it and yeah. it, it, it's like amplifies the shame which is unnecessary yeah i agree I agree. There's, I would, I'd love to maybe uh, at some point do, maybe we do an episode on mm -hmm. sexual anxiety or fear of sex or something. And then we host a zoom um, on talking about that. So we can hear men can practice vulnerability, sharing their fears around sex, and then that will normalize it because we need more dialogue. Like it's one thing for us to, to, to share, but we need like actual people to come forward and like share their experiences. And it's amazing what can happen when you hear somebody struggling with something similar to you, like the shame melts away, right? It's uh, it's really beautiful. So stay tuned. We're going to put something together, hopefully at some point that will support this because I think it's a huge problem in our community. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do in the sexual empowerment. I know it's called sexual empowerment work workshop, but that's like what we do in, I think, session two. Um, yeah. and, and, and again, exactly how you said I'm at, like, there's so much relief and empowerment, oddly enough, that comes with talking about it. So yeah, we'll yeah. definitely do that in the in the Gaiman's Brotherhood, yeah. uh, where we'll have a discussion there. Yeah, and I didn't realize that that you were doing that. So go and just sign up for Michael's <laughs> workshop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even better. Um, uh, okay, so let's uh, unpack the last question here. So um, how do you how do you overcome your fear of intimacy? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go? Yeah, you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how to overcome intimacy, sexual avoidance. This is what I wrote down. So I'm a huge believer in intentions. Okay. This is the start of anything. So in my coaching uh, work, I always get clients to set intentions or I'll help them set intentions. And I see intentions as the, the, the planting of the seed, right? We plant the seed, we speak it to the universe or to God or whatever you believe in and say, okay, I'm turning over this. I, this is what I want to manifest into my life. And then you sit back, you let the universe do its thing. It'll bring experiences, people, wisdom, whatever to you. Um, and then you use inspired action and you take action. So this is, yeah. this is a huge part of my work. So you set the intention. I want to get better at or I welcome in, I welcome in getting more confidence and security with intimacy and sex or whatever. You create your own intention. Boom. Step one. Okay. And then I want you to make a list of all the benefits of having uh, the capacity of all three. So sex, make a list. What's the benefit of being good at, uh, at sex? What's the benefit of being good at sexual int intimacy? What's the benefit of being good at intimacy? Um, and I wrote down a couple of them. So more authentic connection. 
less loneliness, less being controlled by fear, less ghosting, less strain in your relationships. There's tons. So just come up with lists of, of, of your why, because the reason why I, I would want you to do this is it's going to bring up a ton of fear, right? What does fear get us to do? It gets us to pull back, go retreat, go back into your comfort zone. Well, what are you going to do to get back out of your comfort zone when you go retreat? You got to look at your why. Why am I doing this again? Oh, yeah, shit. I want more authentic connection in my life. I don't want to be as lonely or disconnected from, from people. So that will help you move towards courage over comfort, okay? Um, and then you got to practice, okay? So intimacy is a set of skills, as I said, and it requires practice. So if you're a perfectionist or you have a fixed mindset and you're putting all this pressure on yourself that you got to be good at it, let give yourself some, some space, give yourself some grace to move towards the practice of intimacy. So again, practice the three or the four things. So you got to show up, you got to express yourself, you got to be radically honest, and you got to face your fears with courage, Okay. So those are um, a couple. And then um, make a list of turn-ons, uh, but include all four domains. I think this is this will help people understand that there's, and especially people that are just really playing in the domain of sex and they understand their sexual turn-ons. For a lot of people, it can feel yucky or gross or, 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 or fearful to move towards intimacy. So make a list of, of potential turn-ons. Would it turn you on to... Um, you know, eye gaze with somebody or to have a massage, you know, practice moving in between uh, using sensuality. And that's like, I find for people that are more on that only exploring sex, and they want to move towards intimacy, perhaps start exploring the middle ground, which would be sensuality, and start practicing less penetrative sex and more like massages and um, gentle touching, touching, exploring erogenous zones, like you said, because I think that can help people really get a, a sense of um what would be uh, as uh, arousing for them. Um, and then I have work with a practitioner who specializes in attachment, trauma, recovery, healing, shame, and sexuality. Um, because this is, this is really important. A lot of people, um, well, as somebody that, that specializes in attachment trauma, I don't think you can heal attachment trauma outside of attachment. You can get to a certain point but then you got to move into connection because I think the things that heal attachment trauma are things like emotional attunement, um, emotional presence, emotional validation. And these are all relational dynamics. They require us to move into connection to heal them. So whether that's a therapist or a friend that you trust or a partner, whatever, you need to be bringing this stuff into connection. But I would say a practitioner would probably be your best bet because it's this, these people would specialize in doing this work. Um, and then I will give a shout out to our coaching collection because we have so much stuff. We have a healing your shame course, which will help with healing shame. We have a building better relationships course, which will help with a healing attachment trauma to a certain point. Um, and then we've got 45 other videos on all these topics, like, right. So we teach this stuff for a reason because we're really good at, at teaching about it. So that would uh, be beneficial. And then my last thing would be learn about your attachment style, because this is everything, right? If you have an insecure attachment, you want to learn about it. You want to understand what type of insecurities you have around attaching. So you can start to heal that and move towards intimacy because a fear of intimacy is likely stemming from an insecure attachment, which comes from attachment trauma. Okay. And we do have our attachment style quiz where you can, um, learn your attachment style and get a free report on your attachment style. And that is in the show notes. Yeah. 
Wow. That's, that's my that's, spiel. That's, I know it's a lot, but that's, that's everything. It's a menu. <laughs> yeah. You pick from it. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. Let me speak then to my, I think you covered it like everything that I, that I could think of off the top of my head, but I'll speak to my experience for anyone out there who might be using casual sex um, mm-hmm. as their way of buffering against um, intimacy. So the first thing is you have to be aware, obviously, that that there that, that name name it as a fear of intimacy. Number one, know know that yeah. it's there, um, and then I would say choosing you have to like intentionally choose the harder path. Yeah, yeah. Because in my in my story, the casual sex was always there and it was always easy. So it's like the bag of chips. It's like you know, it's just easy. Like why why would I not have it if I'm feeling hungry? So you have to really train your mind to not go for the instant gratification. Yeah. Um, if that's not what you want, know what you totally. want. If you want yeah. the bag of chips, go have the bag of chips. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Own it, but own your decisions, right? Know, know yeah. why you're doing it, what you're doing and, and own it. So I think for that's a big piece of it is, is choosing the, the, the longer road, which might take a longer time. Preparing that seven course meal is going to take a lot longer than buying a bag of chips. But yeah. the reward, if you actually want you know, that deep connection. And if you actually do want intimacy, that kind of intimacy, it'll be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it it's hard because we don't naturally want to do the hard thing, right? Like our yeah. brains are built to do the easy thing. Um, yeah. So that has been a little bit of, I guess, my advice for anyone who kind of has the same um, manifestation of this fear of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want to wrap up with sharing one thing that we're doing personally? Or, or did you just share that? Was that the thing that you're? No, that was more so okay. previously. But I would say, yeah, let's do that. I can I can answer that one right away. Um, okay, so I, why don't you start then? Yeah, I kind of did. It was just creating a space for others. So um, acceptance, acceptance of of other people. If you want someone else to be, or if you want to be you and feel safe being you with somebody else, you need to create the space for them to be who they are. So listening, listening without judging, listening without needing to like respond or defend uh letting people have their emotional reactions and not taking it personally and also realizing that they're having their emotional reaction and they are allowed to um and that that's perfectly fine so giving them learning how to give them space and time to be who they are asking how can i support you so this is what like you would want to do for someone else to create that sense of safety and ideally they'd be doing the same it's kind of like a creating a joint container where you guys can create, create the space where you can both be vulnerable, be authentic and vulnerable plus authentic equals intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm really working on uh, developing more of a growth mindset. So fixed mindset, growth mindset. We've done an episode on it, I think, haven't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Something like that. God, yeah. we're getting so many episodes now. I can't even remember <laughs> which ones we did. Um, so I want to develop more of a growth mindset, which is like giving myself permission to make mistakes and fail and, you know, know that it's part of growing and, and maturing. And I think what I would, what I'm, what I'm practicing in my life right now is, um, trying new things that I might know I might not be good at because my whole life as a as a shame defense mechanism I've only put myself in situations where I know I would thrive and now I'm I'm in this new arena of of singing and I don't know anything about it right like I know that I can sing from the heart but I don't know technicalities all these things I'm making making tons of mistakes I'm a beginner so let yourself go into spaces where you can be a beginner because that is going to let you face all the fears, right? The shame triggers will come up. The 
the fear of failing, the fear of being rejected or being criticized or judged. And that's really what is happening here. And, and uh, so that's helping me tremendously find more security in, in sharing intimacy with people. Yeah. It's beautiful. I can't wait to hear you sing one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, okay. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's good. I think we covered quite a bit today. Okay. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I just want to say, I just love you. Oh, I love you it's too. So, <laughs> it's so nice to, to create with you and um, to start this new journey. I know Callan's gone and we miss you and love you too, Callan. And yes. Um, but yeah, our new journey is beginning together and it just feels really, really nice. So I'm glad I have you in my life. <laughs> Likewise. And for the audience out there, I guess we can tease a little bit next episode or not, not next, but we'll have a special surprise guest. We're not going to say who it is um yeah. in the next uh episode of gaming going deeper podcast or one of the yeah. next ones i don't know exactly when we're gonna air it it's coming up <laughs> it's yeah coming. we yes. got some things we got some things in the pipeline coming yes. down for you guys yes. so yeah the mystery it's all exciting stuff so um yeah and uh, i would love to hear people's thoughts um, yes on youtube i know you can leave comments there let us know how you experienced this episode um let's normalize some of these things so please feel free to share vulnerably in the comments around your fears of intimacy or sex or uh, what's coming up for you what this episode brought up for you because we need to normalize this stuff because we're all experiencing it yep. and just so many of us are terrified to share that so please feel free to share um, and if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, uh, please give us a star rating, hopefully five stars if you enjoyed what you heard today and uh, check the show notes for all the things that we're offering. I won't go through them all, but uh, yeah, we got a lot of great stuff for you guys and uh, much love to everybody. We'll see you at the next episode.